you could be a product company or you could be a service driven business, or you could be a hybrid or a combo of other elements. But at the end of the day, what your brand stands for to customers is a promise of an experience. They want to know what they're going to get. Philip Meach is the founder and owner of Cafe Lusso, a coffee company based in Redmond, Washington. While still relatively small compared to some of the big names in the industry, they've accomplished some really impressive things over the years, and you don't have to talk to Philip for long to be blown away by his knowledge of his trade. My dad and I recently met Philip at his roastery, and although it was not the main topic of conversation, his knowledge and study of branding really impressed me. He was an easy choice as our first guest for the branding episodes of our podcast. Welcome to Work is Good, a CSM podcast where we aim to help people enjoy and excel at their work. My name is Landon Buto, and I'm the Director of Marketing as well as a Loan Officer at Cleveland Street Mortgage. In addition to our weekly Wednesday episode, we'll occasionally include a bonus weekend episode focused specifically on branding. On these branding episodes, I have a conversation with business owners and marketers who have successfully established a strong brand. Please enjoy this week's branding episode from CSM. Phil, thanks for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. Yeah, good to have you on. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start and just let you give a little bit of background to your your career personally and your company. And, um, you know, it can be very, very surf, um, kind of 30,000 foot level, uh, high level review, pretty um, general, but would love to hear a little bit about what you're doing over at Cafe Lusso. Fantastic. Um well, I drink coffee today because I used to drink coffee with my grandfather growing up when I was a little kid on our family farms in northern Colorado. So that was a pretty good reason. Bonding. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, whatever your, whatever your grandfather does is cool. So yep. uh, one day we were at a restaurant at a diner for breakfast that we went to like every other day for two months. And he turned over his cup. And so I decided one day to turn over my cup when I was maybe all of nine years old. And in a small farming town um, off the paved road in the northern part of Colorado, you're used to driving John Deere combines by the time you're eight or nine. So if you turn over your coffee cup in a diner, uh, you're not going to get a lot of questions from the uh, service yep. staff. They'll, they'll fill it up for you. <laughs> so That's great. That was, that was probably the beginning of it. And then and as uh, he, know, he knows, I'm sure you're, he's, uh, he's led to this inspiration. You know, it, it, it wasn't quite there. I, he passed in 1994. Okay. Um, and I didn't, I was just getting into coffee. That's when I started gotcha. working professionally at the retail level in okay. coffee. But I look forward to telling him the, the rest of the story someday. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I my parents were coffee drinkers. I don't think they were making great coffee, but I was always fascinated by it. But I got into coffee from the retail side when I was at a um, an old and now defunct bohemian sort of coffee place in the U District in Seattle. Uh, in the early 90s that led i just wanted to play with the coffee i thought it was cool to see like a bartender uh on a on an espresso machine that could make 30 different drinks and keep 30 different drinks in his head and everyone was customized per the individual i was just fascinated by the mechanics and the theater of that presentation Mm -hmm. so that led me to applying to get into retail coffee which i began um uh, professionally in 1994 and uh, loved it but I was coming into the time to go to college, so um, I went off to school to Washington State University, go Cougs, to, go Cougs. Um, to study to become an orthopedic surgeon. That's what I wanted to do. 
And long story short, the coffee just wouldn't let go. So like two and a half years into that, I met a guy who is a micro roaster and I was um, just sucked in. I mean, it was so mm. encapsulated. Uh, so, sorry, fill me in. What's, what's a micro roaster? Great question. In the roasting world, sometimes roasters are categorized by their volume on an annual basis. Okay. So, and it changes. It's always a moving target. So the term's not super, super helpful. It's just kind of a production amount. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you got like a macro roaster who's at least half a million pounds a year or a million pounds a year. You got a micro roaster who's probably anywhere from, I don't know, 25, 50,000 pounds a year up to say uh, a half a million or something like that. And then I think now there's nano roasters that are, you know, you roast on a one pound batch and it's a yep. hobby or you're just doing you know, very limited, uh, smaller size. So we're a micro roaster. Our annual volume right now is probably about 125,000 pounds. Um, give and what's, break. what's been the, um, path of that? What, what, uh, you know, five years ago, where were you at? 10 years ago, 15, what's been that, that process? So we launched Cafe Lusso in the year 2000 okay. um, to bring elegant and luxurious coffees to the east side and greater Seattle region. And I think probably for the first 10 years, we never went much over uh, 40,000 pounds a year, maybe, maybe 50,000 pounds a year. Five years ago, in 2017, we were clipping along pretty well, probably about 100,000 pounds. Mm. Um, three years ago, by the end of 2019, we it felt like we were white hot. We may have been as hot uh, as high as 130 or or more um, 40, pounds, but then we slammed yeah. right into COVID. Right, and we lost 80% of everything overnight wow. because the majority of our business was commercial wholesale. So for example, we supply coffee bars and uh, restaurants and hospitality venues and schools and tech offices and churches and just institutions that take bulk coffee and turn it into cups of coffee. Right. And then you sell it or give it away. So that's retailers, right. et cetera. Well, guess who everybody went home for the two weeks to slow the spread experiment. All right. And, um, then <laughs> two we, years we, later, Three years later, so we were without our um, our commercial wholesale base for a long time. Hmm. Um, on that on that note, so our volume went way down. It probably went down by half. Wow. But in the middle of that, our team worked very hard. Um, gave them all the credit for pivoting hard and figuring out direct to consumer marketing, hmm. and our nationwide mail order to residential customers probably went up seven or eight hundred percent or something like that. Wow. Wow. Um, sounds That's like it great. sounds like a big sounds like a big number, um, but it was very small <laughs> when we started. Sure, but it's it's starting from you know completely pivoting there, so that's great. Yeah, kept the lights great. on. Good. Um, and so that generally bring us kind of up to today where you're at right now. Yeah, so I'd say in the last six months we've seen a bit of a recovery in some commercial wholesale. That's some coffee bars, some restaurants, some hospitality. But when we look at like big tech offices, how many people are still working remote? Um, and not just the people that signed up to be permanently remote, but it's just in general, the right. number that I hear quoted is like 20 to 25% people are back in offices. So that directly impacts wow. um, our commercial wholesale because we do so much for, for big tech. Hmm. But I would say, I would say we are probably between other accounts coming on board and whatnot. Our volume is probably very similar. It's probably back up to about 120,000 pounds. Okay. So I, I do want to move on to kind of branding specific, but really, really curious about the last thing you said there. 
Why is big tech such a big part of, of what you guys do? You know, I think um, with with the money and tech, when, when you when you look at the accoutrements or whatever you might want to call it that tech employees enjoy, um, everything from in some companies doing free lunches to uh, you can get a free massage once a week. Um, you, you've got the sport courts. Um, I mean, how many things are yeah. just present on tech campuses that are make it cool, interesting, fun, and you want to be there? You get karate lessons at eight o'clock. You've got you know ping pong tutorials at nine thirty in the morning. Whatever it is, like you got all these things going on that are like, wow, we got campus culture and life all bundled into one thing here at work. Yeah. Um, and your community is there and so on. So I think that's, and, and, and cool coffee is a part of that. If you're hmm. in, if you're, if you're a big tech company, you need to, <clears throat> you really need to have a good coffee program. Okay. And did you recognize that purposefully early on or did that just kind of happen? Um, it's, I, I think we always had people that were buying our coffee and, and taking it into the workplace because they wanted better coffee. Um, a landmark event for us was in 2011, um, Microsoft Corporation wanted to get to revamp their entire coffee program. So they set out a committee and said, go find the best six micro roasters in the area. And mm. we're going to do a double blind professional coffee tasting where we don't know the brand, the marketing, the packaging, the cost, the anything. We're just going to base it off of how good is the coffee. And we're um, uh, humbled and thankful that we came out um, at the very top of that uh, group of incredible coffee roasters. That's and amazing. That, that really was, that was a catalyst to doing a lot for Microsoft and then ultimately Google and Amazon and now Facebook, and it just kind of continues to move. That's awesome. Well, good for you guys. That's exciting. Well, yeah, I, I've got a few specific, specific questions I want to get your thoughts on as far as your brand, your reputation. Uh, I'll probably use those pretty interchangeably um so going back looking back at that history that you just talked about a little bit what role would you say has your brand played in the success of your company um it's not a trivial thing it is it's absolutely huge and it's huge in a way that is hard to overstate and um it's so branding is so important and i and candidly i was a sort of a marketing and branding doofus for like the first 15 years of mm. starting this company. <laughs> Just doing not my spiritual gift. And um, it took a lot of reading. It took a lot of skin knees. It took a lot of wise counsel. It took a lot of R&D. It took a lot of sitting around thinking about it. Mm. And I just cannot emphasize enough how important branding is. But the starting point that I would recommend for people is you need to have a definition of what a brand is. Every so what's time, yours? A uh, brand, a brand is a promise of an experience. So you could be a product company, or you could be a service-driven business, or you could be a hybrid or a combo of other elements. But at the end of the day, what your brand stands for to customers, hopefully potential customers, but definitely returning customers and referrals, is a promise of an experience. They want to know what they're going to get. Um, so McDonald's is a brand, and I would not classify them as some kind of an excellent hamburger. I think the last time I ate at McDonald's was in the late nineties on a bear <laughs> or something like that. And it's just like, but you know what you're going to get. Right. And you know, the yeah. systems work, the ordering process and the, and the whatever else. Right. So yeah. um, brands are branding is important. You need to, you're either going to have a de facto promise or you can have an intentional promise, <laughs> but mm. one way or another, there's going to be, good. I like that. You know, great point. About, well, it's like a reputation. 
right I mean, on right. an individual basis everybody can be on purpose or on accident yes yeah, we one of the others and it could be orderly it could be chaotic but everybody has their own brand like um there's the landon buto brand right in mm -hmm. front of me right and so what's like what is that brand well courteous kind thoughtful diligent hardworking, good neighbor you know there's attributes descriptors um, when it comes down to business i think what people want to look at is how most businesses probably only have two fundamental activities under which every single other activity could be categorized or or joined to and in my opinion those categories are one build trust and two maintain trust hmm. and that's product and service but that's other things too that's what you do with your vendors so the right that you right buy other products or services from you want to build trust maintain trust with them that's your customers obviously um it should certainly be your staff um hopefully it's your community at large maybe it's the industry at large but pretty much you have the opportunity every time you wake up to either build trust or maintain trust hmm. yeah it's great great well let's get a little little specific on that um so i really really appreciate that perspective it's um I, it sounds like there's a ton a ton of research ton of thought that's gone into that um so specifically what would you say are the most noteworthy things that have helped create your reputation as it is and uh, a couple things on that one get real specific with me you know it was was it a certain decision you made or or something you started doing as a company and uh the other thing on that is is you can answer in terms of what you did to become um the the, the actual company the actual brand that you are and be that or what you did to make that known um to to your your customers your vendors everyone that knows your name cool um so our business is somewhat separated into two broad segments commercial wholesale which are all the companies i listed earlier so hospitality and coffee bars and espresso drive-throughs and restaurants and bistros and tech offices and churches and schools, all that. And then the second segment is retail. In the first segment, um, what's so critically important is to recognize, as we talk about internally, we're not actually a, a coffee company. <laughs> we're not actually a roasting company. We're not really a wholesale company. We are a service company. We are in the take care of people business. Um, a lot of what we do is, is um, customer care and support, counsel, um, streamlining systems, knowledge, in addition to providing world-class coffee um, on a mm. timely basis. And it's consistent and, and um, durable so that you can run your program on it. Mm. Um, one of the things that's... And so what, what does that look like in the... You know, in your meetings um, where you say you're talking about that, what what specifics are you encouraging your team to do to think about? Um, service, service, service. I mean, when you think about companies in this in the Pacific Northwest that are legendary for service, Nordstrom's comes to mind, or at least what I remember Nordstrom's kind of like 20 years ago. Sure. It's almost like there isn't any length that they won't go to hmm. to take care of your customers. Everything and is your job. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just like no excuses leadership and no excuses followership like mm. get it done um take care of people we are probably uh, you know our business is probably like 80 percent um 
repeat business. So we're not, for example, selling a car to somebody once every five years or 10 years or something like that. All of our clients are buying from us week after week after week. Right. So we need to make sure that their system is systems are always up and running so that they're, they can serve their customers so that their till keeps ringing. Very important. Right. Um, so everything that we do is really geared around um, getting them their orders on time or anticipating difficulties that they might have in receiving their orders on time, whether they're locally or somewhere around the country that we ship to. Mm. Um, but pretty much everything is, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Um, we have a lot of knowledge and insight into problems that our customers are going to encounter that they don't have any earthly idea about because they've only been into this one year or two years. But we mm. know what the next turn in the road looks like five years from now. So we right. can help them with that, help them navigate that, anticipate those problems. And I think if you just asked all of our customers, and we have, I mean, goodness, we, we have some real marquee clients. Mm. Um, Microsoft Corporation is, is pretty big. We're, I mean, we're in the, the CEO's personal cafe. Yeah, you could probably have any any coffee you know from anyone in the in, in the world. So we're, yeah. we're blessed and thankful for that. Lisa Dupar Catering, the top catering outfit on the entire East Side, if not the Greater Seattle region. Um, we have we have wonderful wow. accounts, and I think if you you talk to a number of them, they're going to say we love Lusa because we know they're never going to leave us hanging. Mm. Yeah. At the end, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they can bank on it. We have built trust and maintain trust with them to the extent that we don't even have contracts. They they could switch wow. out at any time, but they just don't, you know, year after year after year, wow. after decade after decade, because they know we're going to take care of them. It's it's that simple. Like this is a fun chat because we're basically having an old fashioned business chat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so part of that, part of that, you know, that mentality is you're going to eat costs at some point. Mm-hmm. Right, and you're and you're okay with that. Have you had those scenarios? No question about it. Many of them. Um, the capstone summary on this is: to us, everything is the long game, hmm. because you almost can't really quantifiably connect the dots. You can try, but when you take care of somebody and keep keeping keeping take, taking care of them, and you avoid them dropping off as a client. Or you never know what they're telling other would-be clients about you. So again, that's right. back to reputation. There's an old um, Warren Buffett quote about how it takes 20 years to build a reputation and less than five minutes to ruin it. Right. And I mean, I think a cursory perusing of the newspaper or the TV news every day would probably support that idea. Affirm that, sure. Um, yeah. So you just, I mean, you can't take your eye off that ball. The rules haven't mm-hmm. changed. There's no new economy. I'm doing stuff that I would have done 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Maybe the, the communication methodology is changing because we have tech. Sure. Um, yeah. or, or support systems have you know, different ways. But the root has not changed. And that is we are we need to be dependable, reliable. We need to come through the current corporate lingo, which I've never been a big fan of, to be candid. But I think the current corporate lingo is surprise and delight. But I can get right. behind the but I can get behind the idea that they are. Saying yeah, we need to keep going the extra mile with our clients. I mean, right. Pretty much any good idea. It's not just satisfied kind of thing. It's, you know, that's right. We've delighted. Any, any good idea that we have had in this company or practice that's been established 
is mirroring something from the from the scriptures from the Bible. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we just don't. We're not innovators. Nobody can create truth. You can echo truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody can create new standards, but you can sure echo ones that have been come before. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Great answer. Really helpful. Um, so you 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 did talk a lot about who you've become, who you want to be. Is there much of a thought process in terms of communicating that, making that reputation known, or is it mostly, you know, what you're talking about? Let let the results take care of themselves. Um, it, that's in process for us. I think 2023 is a year of messaging um, hmm. for for us, and we have a we have a certain reputation, um, if you will between wholesale and retail customers that's already out there. But it never it never hurts to reinforce and to tell anybody, this is what we're doing, this is what we're trying to do, this is where we're going, right. um, for, for at least a couple of reasons. One of them is those goals and targets can change or, they, or change might be forced. So we were 90% wholesale going into the beginning of the COVID time there, um, March of 2020. And if we didn't change, we would not be here. Right. So whoever right. your customer base is, sometimes the the environment changes to such an extent that you have to figure something out. <laughs> and that might be a long-term trajectory change, or maybe that's, well, this is what the thing needs to look like for the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I've learned one thing here, it's stay flexible. Yeah, that's great. Great, thanks, Philip. Let's let's go ahead and move on to the last thing which you hinted at here. Last question that I have is, uh, what are you doing now or what's next to continue to establish the reputation you want? What's next on the docket for you? You know, so we're in the service business and part of that in my eyes is caring for people individually and not just at the company level. I would love to see us grow to the point where we could hire somebody who is over the top, over the top about knowing our customers and doing the extra thank you, sending birthday cards, mm. uh, you know, the, the just basic courtesies um, or sending out something that's encouraging. I think right now, um, I think what would you call that role? Um, sort of like a client care. Hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what the title would be, but yeah. the, the function of it would be, um, and this is not like cheesy, smarmy, smoke and mirrors, weirdos. Sure. Just go actually take care of our customers. Go actually take care of them because I, I'm speaking from the prism of Seattle, but I assume it's probably largely the same everywhere, but the world's a dark place. Um, and people could use a little bit of hope and encouragement and inspiration right now. Hmm. And maybe that's true every year. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is not a role that we create when there's something a weird out of left field COVID. Right. But it's like this is just a good thing that we could have indefinitely for generations. Yeah. If you really view your company as a as a service business. A, a service company. One quick note from history. I remember in 1994, 1995, I was working in a very busy retail coffee bar. And there was a gentleman that came in, um, probably worked at Microsoft and you know, high stress boiler room condition programming, but he came in twice a day, every day, and always got the same drink. And um, it took me a while. I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes, but it, it, it finally dawned on me that he wasn't coming for the coffee. Yeah, he would buy a coffee. Yes, he would drink it. I'm sure he enjoyed it. 
But I, after a while, came to figure out that he was there because our staff was so vigilant and diligently trained about giving a legitimate smile and good morning mm. or thank you. Rich, it's good to see you again. I, I think he was coming for that. Mm. That kind of That's level great. of personal interaction and care, which is sort of the, you know, the, the social glue behind why retail coffee works anyway. Sure. Um, otherwise, everything would just be a drive. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Very true. Awesome. Well, that's a great, great note. Really appreciate that, Philip. And uh, really appreciate you taking the time today. Well, you know you got a busy day ahead of you, so we'll let you get get back to it. But thanks for your thoughts. Super helpful, and always good to talk to you. Likewise, Landon. Look forward to seeing you again sometime. Yeah, sounds good. All right, thanks, Philip. Thanks for listening to Work Is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it leave a review, and listen next week.